We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And yesterday, the Lakers added to their stack of embarrassing losses with a loss at Houston. And D, we've been talking a lot about belief lately and the idea of like kind of what's the point of the rest of this season and sort of the idea of the lack of belief. I kind of want to talk about it from the flip side of that coin. And that I think this team throughout much of this season has had too much belief, too much belief in its ability to flip the switch. And last night was one of those games. There have been a lot of games and we've seen a lot of arrogant Lakers teams over the years, several of which ended up going on to win NBA titles. And throughout many of those 82 game seasons, there have been plenty of game against a lesser opponent where they've been down by 10 because they haven't taken the game or their opponent seriously enough. And then they've rallied back. Uh, last season, before all of the injuries hit, there was a pretty humorous stretch where, uh, and this is when Mark was still starting, AD hadn't gotten hurt yet, where we'd go down by a ton to begin the game, and it would be an increasing amount to the point where there was a game against the Grizzlies, before the Grizzlies were actually pretty good, uh, where we went down, I think, 22-2 to two to start the game, and then we still ended up coming back to win. And that's something that, that happens to every team. In, in the NBA, especially good teams, you'll have nights against bad teams where just mentally you're not locked in. But the Lakers are not a good team. And seeing them play down to their competition, whenever we play a team like Houston, Houston is a, a pretty unserious basketball team. Now, obviously, we are too, right? But Houston is certainly that, right? And that's But that's a function of their of their age and experience. Their best players are guys that are rookies or young players that are pretty much ISO one-on-one players. They don't play a particularly organized brand of basketball. And whenever we play a team like that, that we don't respect, we say, oh, you want to play a pickup game? That's great. We'll play a pickup game too. Instead of beating that team, going up 10, 15 points, playing good basketball and, and maintaining that. The effort level last night, we've had some version of this conversation a few times over the course this season of this season. But what I saw last night is something I've seen so many times where 
I feel like they feel like they can just flip the switch in ways that they are not good enough to do, that they do not have the underlying uh, principles and the underlying foundation to be able to all of a sudden be way better than the team across from them. So talk to me, D, about, about that idea a, a bit where I think that this is in some ways a team that's had too much belief in themselves throughout the season rather than putting in the work and the focus into today. So I agree with all that. The thing that stands out to me about that whole idea is that point that you made about principles and foundation. And so last year's Lakers team led the league in defense when they literally had no right to lead the league in defense at all. And regardless of how fluky or not that number was because it was an actually like elevated number because defense was down across the entire league, right? Coming off of the shortened season, the season before, and offense was the way to go. And so maybe leading the league in defense that season isn't actually some massive achievement, but someone had to do it. And it was the Los Angeles Lakers that suffered a bunch of injuries and on some nights had a skeleton crew of dudes and some dudes who weren't even known necessarily for playing defense. And they led the league in defense. And so that was the underlying foundation, Mike, of what the team was. And regardless of what they were going to do on any given night, their default of when it's time to play, it was we're going to turn on our defense. And that's how we're going to play. This team, Pete, they do not have that mentality at all. Right. Frank Vogel has tried to instill it in them and it's been oil and water with this group. They have not been able to find that mix at all. Right. And that's where that underlying foundation of what your team is and what your default approach is. If you think you're going to turn it on offensively and win a basketball game, well, guess what? Sometimes shots don't fall. And I thought last night was a great example of that. The Lakers down the stretch of the game against the Rockets said, okay, let's get serious. We're going to create great shots offensively because that's basically what they started to do. And guess what? Melo missed them all. Yeah. I'm serious though. Like that's what it looked like to me. It it was all right. Like you're going to try to guard us defensively. Yeah, that's not going to work. I'm just going to drive by. I'm going to drive and kick. And that was working for the Lakers. And none of the shots went in at all. And then when it was time to lock in on the other end, Mike, they didn't have it. They do not have the fortitude to say, I'm going to be a good defensive player on this possession when the other team has talent too, right? And that's where I thought the bigger picture idea to me is – it is an arrogance. It is an experience factor. This is what happens, I feel like, when your the core of your team and the best players on your team are basically like all-time greats. Three of the guys who would be part of a closing lineup, or four of a four of the guys that would be part of a closing lineup, they all made the top 75 team, right? Like Mello, Russ. LeBron James, these dudes are going to the Hall of Fame. They've seen too much. And so some, sometimes their default is, well, I'm better than you because 
in their heart of hearts, they believe that to be true because that's how they got to the stature that they have anyway. But the fact of the matter is, is that when you don't play with motor and when your default isn't, I'm going to defend hard. And the context of this season, Mike, is at the point where they don't have all of that belief and drive that's going to like kick their instincts into overdrive anyway, then you end up with what you have last night and what you've had most of this season, which is a team that is stalling when they're trying to shift those gears. Pete, they're they're popping the clutch and then suddenly their car dies and they're just like, oh, I'm in the middle of the freeway now. And these teams with young legs are just passing them by. To avoid being too repetitive about this team in that game, which we've seen now for a couple of weeks, there are just a couple of things that stood out. And one that is if LeBron doesn't play his best game, and even if he just doesn't have his typical efficient game, which he didn't, he was nine for 26. That's just something Lakers can't afford. And it's also something that I'm, that's one thing that I'm not going to get sort of too upset at LeBron for, Um, even if his energy wasn't at its peak as certainly it wasn't where it was for the Warriors game. These are once again, the things that I'm, that I was baking into LeBron's season, uh, his 19th season before the season started. And the fact that he has to play a great game for them to win games. Most of the time um, is just tells you a lot about what the team is and what the rest of the team is this game though. The other thing about it was you guys, I don't even know if you remember this, but very early in the season when the Lakers were losing some of those games, like to OKC. Now they did happen to beat Houston. I said, you want to catch those teams, those young teams early in the season when they don't really believe yet, when they don't really know what they're doing yet. Because this Houston team, I I get what their record is, but they just beat Memphis. They were up by uh, a bit in the first half on Miami. Double digits, Mike, against Miami. Yeah, I was going to say in the second quarter, but Miami made their run starting in the second quarter. But nonetheless, like they are, Jalen Green's playing a lot better. All of a sudden, he's 13 for 21. Like they're... They're not a team that is as bad as what they look now at this point of the season. They're a team that's going to keep catching teams occasionally, even though their front office is probably trying to lose games, you know, which is part of the reason why you see a Christian Wood not in the game. So that's that part of it is all is all part of this picture, whereas instead, you know, a headline could be, oh, Lakers lose to hapless Rockets. And, and like if you just watch the game, though, you know, the Lakers actually did have some pretty good pockets. Of playing well. And they had multiple guys playing pretty well. Reeves played well. Monk played well. Westbrook for Westbrook this year had one of his better games. And was it was because Houston's tiny and he can just get into the lane and there's nobody really to prevent that. But he also didn't turn the ball over. And so, like, it's just a this is where we're at uh, right now. And they can win some games when LeBron plays really well. And they might win a game if another team plays poorly. But do you guys remember the last time a team played poorly? Against the Lakers, there have not been that many. <laughs> I mean, I think we contribute greatly to the that, Lakers right? facilitate. Yeah, that. by they not are... having good defenses, but 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 nonetheless, you can come out and play flat and not hit any shots, and the other team a lot of times will just play flat too. And sure. and that's part of what Russ said after the game, which was right, is that like no 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 they're they're not getting teams coming out and playing flat and playing flat. No, it's they're hungry happening. to beat the Lakers, Mike. They see a bad team. Pete, that idea of like playing down to your competition, teams see the Lakers and they're just like, no, 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 no. We're better than them. And not only are we better than them, we feel nothing greater than to stomp this team out. And the Lakers are looking in the mirror and they see, they see like 
the handsome teenage guy that was like prom king. Meanwhile, the other team sees Al Bundy. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and so the Lakers are seemingly the team that is like reminiscing about what they used to be. And these teams that come out to face them, they're like, nah, man, you work at the shoe store. Like, go get me a size nine and a half. Please. Thanks. Bring it back. Memphis told them these footsteps aren't scaring anyone anymore. And the entire league is just like, you know what? They're right. Why don't we go to break here? Because we could talk about this aspect of things and then Pete bring us back on the other side. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So obviously the Lakers in total and the La- this version in particular that without Anthony Davis that's especially small is not a good team. But my favorite, I think, group of analysts of this Lakers team this season has been former Lakers. And both Stu, Stu Lance and James Worthy, I thought, had some pointed comments last night. Mike, whenever you guys come back from halftime, we get a little recap of Stu's The Three Keys and just his perception of how that first half went. And he mentioned that he didn't think the Lakers took the Rockets terribly seriously. And in the post game, James Worthy, uh, who's been great just all year, uh, remarked about how the Lakers lack a degree of tenacity. And there's a certain degree of like, oh, well, the Lakers aren't good. Well, what do you expect? That I think is too dismissive and is dangerous for us going forward in that like the Lakers are not so bad that they can't beat the Houston Rockets. And the Lakers are capable of playing a certain way with this group of guys. I've seen them do it, but it involves taking the other team seriously to a degree where you, where you're talking about, they look in the mirror and they see that top 75 guy of all time. And, but when we talk about that word, they, I think it's, as the season goes on, it's fracturing into more and more individual. Like when, and, and I don't mean to point any individual out, but these are the guys on the top 75, right? When LeBron sees LeBron and LeBron has been great this season for the most part, right? Russell Westbrook still sees the same guy that he saw in the mirror, Carmelo Anthony and et cetera. And when, I think that when you have that mentality, I call this like top pick mentality. And I think I have that theory that you can't have too many, like number one, two, three, four picks on your roster or else you get guys that when things go bad can be like oh well 
I have had so much success. I am obviously not the problem here. And that's something that I see increasingly just within the Lakers sphere is a degree of finger pointing, right? Whether that's in the media or even on the court, you see it in the body language of players when it's like, no, you made the mistake, Bron. Don't point at your teammate. You messed up on this play. That's okay. Everybody gets a chance to like everybody makes mistakes, but don't don't go gesturing at your teammate because they didn't help on something that was your job. And so the the finger pointing and all of that, I want to talk about like Stu and James's perspective on things because I don't have high like this team should beat other teams expectations. But I think that even Dwayne Wade made a comment about the Lakers being front runners the other day on TNT. And when you've got that many peers or former players being like, no, 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 no. It's not about the talent. It's about the collective, like, give a crap and focus, Mike. That signal, that's red flags to me that go beyond this team is good or this team is bad. <laughs> this is a loaded conversation. I, I spend a lot of time on these road trips having these types of conversations with Stu and Michael. And the perspective of a former player is different. And in for a reason, right? Because they've been through these battles. And then there's somebody like me who's just, you know, watching 10 games a night on League Pass. And it's so here's here's a lot of times where we come from. So everything that Stu said and James said, um, I, I think like to the observing eye, of course, it's very difficult to argue with. And, and you watch how the team's playing. And, and it's almost weird because what I'm trying to bring sort of a, pers- a perspective back of like, you know what, you guys are right, but this is sort of usually how the NBA goes. And and, and that's kind of, and, and so when Stu thinks about it and when James thinks about it and Michael, there's an expectation like every game that you play, that every time that you show up to the arena, and I think fans a lot of times have this and should have this expectation, there's this baseline level of effort and competitiveness and all that. And I think sometimes that line of thinking ignores that the other team is doing the same thing. Whereas... Well, the guys that I'm watching on the team that I'm rooting for, um, you know, should be playing harder than that other team because it should be more important, like to, to Team X or Team Y. And there's a couple guys that are exceptions to this: Chris Paul, you know, Kobe certainly, especially before the injuries. But for the most part, guys that are in their prime, prime, that's the difference sometimes between um, how they're able to sustain that night to night top energy and effort, and guys that are on the Lakers that are not in their prime, prime. And don't have that effort to summon. And you, they can get out there all they want and, and sort of try to respect the opponent. But it's like there's a reason. It's a mental It's a mental thing that, that happens to most players as the league evolves. And so, again, th- then there's pushback. And, and I'm not saying that's always my perspective. Sometimes I'm on the other side where I'm like, why is sure. this team not? But <laughs> that's the, the, the larger part of that, I think, is really tough, for especially for somebody like Stu and like James that – that you know bled that purple and gold blood to then watch that uh, a performance like that and sometimes I'm just trying to give some of that context as to what happens enough that they don't know that but I what do you guys think I agree with you more in November December January but under our current circumstances the there is even in good teams, I've seen those veteran teams that you can't always play harder than the team across from you. And I don't even look at it from relative to the other team. But I understand over the course of 82 games, a veteran team especially is not going to be able to do that. But historically speaking, teams that 
feel like they want to do something that our veteran teams, they go on a post all-star break. They kind of lock in after that. And this was a type of game that was so much more reminiscent of that November, December type of loss that we had against bad teams where it's like, I just saw you guys, even against San Antonio, play much harder than you did against Houston. And it's not just when I say playing hard, I'm more and more mean playing with focus. Yes. I want to make a distinction. Yeah. Because like, I think that like people hear that as like, we're asking old guys to run around and sprint out to the perimeter and fly around in ways that are, that I agree are unrealistic, but they make so many focus mistakes that manifest in turnovers, like really sloppy turnovers or uh, just not checking a guy in transition defense that are not at all beyond, I think, a reasonable level of expectation, especially in a post-All-Star game type of environment, D, where historically veteran teams that do feel like they have something to play for, it's more about we are going to be good every single night, and the opponent changes. In some ways, they're faceless from one night to the next because we're going to do what we do, and we don't have that. That idea of controlling what you can control? Yeah. And I think that that's where I fall with this version of the Lakers is that in a season full of things that the Lakers have not been able to control. Mm-hmm. LeBron getting injured or waking up one day and his knee is just swollen. And he's like, I, I don't even remember getting hit. Right. No one bumped into me. No one fell on me. My knee's just swollen. In a season where Anthony Davis has a guy fall into his leg and then and, and then. He comes back from that and like literally two weeks later, he elevates in traffic to grab a lob and comes down and rolls his ankle in the most gruesome way imaginable. And now he's out again in a season full of COVID and all of this other stuff. There have been so many things that the Lakers have not been able to control. But the things that they can control is that idea of focus and like give a damn and give a damn gets the way that looks on the court is pretty clear to anyone who's watching, right? You don't need to be a former player to understand what give a damn looks like, right? And I think that some of the things that Stu and and James Worthy are talking about is the manifestation of give a damn. It's like, do how much do you care out there? And look, I could probably go one by one. And I could look at LeBron James and I could psychoanalyze LeBron James and try to jump into his head and try to figure out what might be going on in his mind at at any given time. I'm not going to do that. But I will say that I can understand that in year 19, with everything that he thought this season was going to be and could be, and with where the team is at now, conjuring give a damn at this point in the season is probably going to be hard. For him on on a night to night basis against teams that he if you're looking at the Houston Rockets and you're LeBron James, if you give him the truth serum, he would probably tell you we should beat this team. Even if I play like crap, yeah. we should beat this team. And the fact of the matter is, though, is that is not true. No, it's just but look, he also LeBron also looks around him and looks what he's playing with on the roster and he knows that it's not very good. Yeah. So, and he looks across, and again, Houston, who, again, we're talking about like they're just all complete trash. Like Eric Gordon played 38 minutes and is a good player. You know, Shen Goon had his struggles, but like is a, for this Laker team with no bigs, is a, is tough inside. Green was terrific last night. Shooter 
played pretty well and has a bone to pick every time. Like Garrison Matthews, solid pro, hits threes. Josh Christopher, a lot of people haven't heard of. Like came in, so these are they're pros to they're they're not that different from Reeves, Stanley Johnson, Monk, Westbrook, Bradley, Augustine, Carmelo at this stage of his career, Baysmore, and then Gabriel for two minutes. By the way, who I kind of liked would have liked to see a little more Bradley. So <sighs> the difference in that game is is what LeBron James. Look, so LeBron has to again come in with a sore knee coming after another flight has to conjure up. Again, this level of focus to lead these guys again to this game in Houston. And it's like, what do we expect is, is going to happen? Now, especially when in the standings, it actually didn't make a difference again. The only thing that can happen now is either they or the Pelicans are going to get the 9 to the 10. That's about just about it. And the Pelicans are in trouble because Ingram went down with a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. They lost again. And who do they lose to? The only other team in the league with as few wins is Houston. So I'm just when, – when we're all – I knew that today was going to be how bad the Lakers. It's like we saw the same thing we've been seeing. So let's sure. just not act surprised yes. again that they didn't, they didn't rally around the flag at Houston and like everybody. It's like they did. They played pretty hard other than exhausted LeBron. Uh, let's take a break. Come back. Talk a little bit of LeBron. I think there's a great deal of real estate between the version of LeBron that scored 56 points the other day or uh, the game against Utah in front of Aaron Donald where he was just a monster. There's a great deal of real estate between that guy and the guy that we saw last night on both ends of the floor. And it's the third game over the last 10-ish or so uh, recently where I thought, you know, Lakers probably win this game with just like an okay LeBron game by LeBron standards, of course, right? So, Mike, I'm not expecting him to be like, we have to beat Houston because some reason we have to, you know, get start building something. That is the that's the the main you know motivation I think that they they can have. But standings wise, Pickup Hoop had a great tweet where he was like, the Lakers were the ninth seed. Then they lost 13 out of 17 games, and then they're the ninth seed, <laughs> right? They didn't move at all. And I'm paraphrasing there. Shout out to the great pickup hoop, right? But uh, that, Mike, that I think it's fair to ask more from LeBron without asking LeBron to be a monster, you know? Yeah, this is where we diverge. I, I just don't. I mean, he played 46 minutes at Houston. Of course, five of those were in the overtime. I mean, 45, I guess I should say. He had 14 rebounds. He had 12 assists. He had four blocks. He, If he hits two more threes, and I get about his focus, but that's the baked-in stuff that you have to understand is going to happen. It's just going to happen. He can't have the peak in front of Aaron Donald on national TV, uh, drive to the rim every Not possession what I'm finish. For. And you're, you're asking for something in between, but if I'm, if I'm going into the game expecting that LeBron's going to play a certain way and you're expecting something different, then like, why is that? You know, why do we have different expectations about what he's going to be able to do? I think that there's a difference between performance on the court and being engaged. And this is where... I I just think those things are related. I think those are related. They're related to AD being out, the mental climate of everything, the burden that's on his shoulders. Those are related and we can't separate them. The player I'm most sympathetic for on the entire Lakers roster is LeBron James. Point blank. I am most sympathetic to him. He is the dude who is in his 19th season. He is the dude who who is the best player. And he is the dude who has to then show up and lead 
every single night, a team that he recognizes at this point in the season is not good enough to accomplish the goals that it set out to do six months ago or eight months ago when it was constructed. And so you talked about the real estate between a performance against like the Jazz or against the Warriors where he scored 56 points and that distance between that and like a game against the Rockets. That same distance exists between what the Lakers thought they were going to be and what they actually are. And and the reason why I'm sympathetic to to LeBron is is because the acceptance or the realization of what that difference is can hit you on any given night where you just like where your give a damn gets decreased. Like that meter, that bucket that we talked about, it gets emptied. It just does based off the circumstances. And and there's got to be some degree within LeBron's mind of like, if I can't play 70% against the Houston Rockets, I'm not going to be able to play 70% against anyone. And that's part of the maintenance of getting through a season. That's exactly right. And so I'm sympathetic to LeBron. He, if he needs to be the dude that beat the Jazz and beat the Warriors or 90% of that, right? The Warriors game is like an outlier. It's the most points he scored in a decade, right? No one expects LeBron to be like, hey, yeah, go score a 50 every night. It's just like, come on, let's not be dumb, right? And, and so, but if he has to be like, yeah, I've got to be playoff LeBron on a random night in March against one of the worst teams in the league that's the ask if that's the ask like he's throwing up the middle finger like Tupac and being like I'm good I don't think he has to be playoff LeBron though me neither and that's where I agree with you Mm. my point is though is that if that if again I don't want to psychoanalyze LeBron but if his thinking is going in that direction then that's where the disconnect could exist for sure right and so I want to I want to recognize and acknowledge that and be sympathetic to the idea of, well, damn it, how's the oldest player in the league in terms of like experience, right? How many dudes are left from LeBron's draft class, Pete? One of them is on, two of them are on his, one of them is on his team. Mm -hmm. One of the guys you mentioned that was also in that class, you just talked about him making comments on TNT. (laughs) Yeah, he'd been retired for a couple of years, well, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Th- this is the this is the stat that I was keeping for Kobe later in his career, as he, he kept passing guys for combined playoff and regular season minutes. And I said this, I think, was it two broadcasts ago, the, the Clipper game, maybe? And oh no, so that was a that was a national game, so I didn't. I think I just tweeted it, but he just passed Malone for second on playoff plus regular season. So only Kareem has played more minutes than LeBron, and when Kareem was playing those minutes. He was not playing like LeBron is playing right now. No, I remember old cream. Mm-hmm. Oh, me too. I mean, so, and I don't actually, but I'm just, I, I'm sort of making that assumption plus hearing it from people. But I, as I understand it, he, Kareem wasn't responsible for, you know, playing 46 minutes and leading his team, carrying his team on his back at that stage. And because we see LeBron still capable of doing it some nights, and maybe I'm just, maybe I'm going, Pete, um, I'm trying to present Darius the chance to be Switzerland here. By going harder against your your take, <laughs> oh, uh, you know you're going to take that chance. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm just like I the, the thing that I talk about all the time with LeBron is his 365 day mindset and how he can get through a season. And within that season, at this age, at this stage, there have to be some baked in where in his mind, even in the subconscious, I can't put the pedal fully down, or I'm it's just it's going to be out. 
or I'm going to get hurt or the knee's going to get sure. worse. And like in that asking him to try to separate that mindset from then still, I don't know if we're using percentages, you know, going from like 70 in Houston, but we, what you really want is 80 and he was at 95. It's so difficult. And, and it's like, he's looking sure. over, you guys are supposed to help me out with this. This was not how this season was supposed to go. I I shouldn't have to do this every night like that. And it's just, uh, but it's the reality. It just is. And guess mm-hmm. what's going to have to happen in the playing game? Guess who's yep. going to have to be an absolute stone cold destroying monster. And then what's going to happen? He's going to have to do it a night later yep. in the second playing game. If they get that win. And then if that happens, you're going to have to go against Phoenix. Yep. Rested Phoenix, you know, with, with uh, blood coming out of the fang. So it's just a, I'm um, and then he, yeah, I'll stop it there. I think I've, I've spoken enough about that point. This is why I'm sympathetic to LeBron, Mike. The flip side of that is he's the best player. He's the leader. He sets the tone. There's the burden sharing in this. Anthony Davis is, is out. Russ did have a good game. I said this to y'all in the group chat, but if, if Russell Westbrook was nine for 26 for 23 points, right? And sort of got in some ways an empty triple double. And LeBron James shot and a minus 17 yeah, and a minus 17 in the box score, a team worst. And it was LeBron James who shot 50% from the field, scored 30 points, was making defensive plays at the rim, and sure, had some miscues and some turnovers and whatever, but basically played a good game. There would be no lack of noise around that. And I understand there's context to that as well, based off of the levels of who pl- who's played well and, and everything else. And so I don't want to make it seem like the scales are even when we start that comparison, because they're totally not. LeBron has been great. Right. But when you're the best player, Pete, that's the burden that you carry. And part of what I'm talking about, and I think what you're talking about, too, is the if there are some things that matter more than production. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Bron's going to get his numbers no matter what. Yeah. And (laughs) Mike, you made the point in, in our group chat where I was just like, like, I don't necessarily think, or we were saying, like, I don't think LeBron's necessarily playing very well. And then you said, you you said. It's like the third quarter. He's got, he's got yeah, a triple-double. Yeah. He's got a triple-double, like, in the third quarter. And, yeah. and, and that's LeBron, right? He could... He could get these numbers and it's not... And it's just like, whatever, man. I'm going to get these numbers. Like, I'm so good. I could turn it on for three possessions in, in a row and get six points draw three fouls and it's just like what the hell just happened and so he's that good but pete the there are some things on some nights your production matters less than the inspiration you can provide to your teammates based off of the leadership and and i thought the rockets game was where maybe less production based off of what some of the other guys on the court were doing and more sort of like hey we need to focus here in order to do the things that need need to be done that's where i was a little bit more let down by lebron against the houston game and i know it's an incredible standard to hold him to mike and that's why i'm sympathetic to him but these are the realities of what it is right now both, both things are sort of true 
Yes. And so here I am, right? I've got my Swiss flag up and I'm bringing y'all together. We all see it the same, I think, to a certain extent. For sure. And that's why. So I agree with the notion that our number one priority for the rest of this season should probably be get out of it healthy, <laughs> you know, get into the off season with no major injuries and, uh, you know, ready to to try it again there. And so there's a certain amount of like, let's not push LeBron to his limits and have him get to fifth, sixth gear the way he normally would be starting to at this portion of the year, because it's not worth it. There's no payoff and there's certainly a great deal of risk associated with it. But I do think that asking for a level of focus and engagement that, uh, that is not sky high, but I think the rest of the team is so dependent upon LeBron's kind of mood and personality and Again, and I'm sympathetic to him too. It's not fair. I want to really reiterate this. I said this in a previous pod. It's he is supposed to have help, right, from from other players in this respect. But he is the leader of this team. And this is something that is true of any leader. That especially when you're down, it's not gonna be one of the guys down the pecking order that are going to be leading things. And we haven't had enough sustained success for there to be something kind of built in to to build off of. So anyway. We will be back tomorrow. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant. 48 points, 16 rebounds, with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed, a Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's, There's the move. Two, one, missing. It's over. And shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.